Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze Dawn of Justice by each individual minute. My name's Nathan. You can find me all over those internet sites and sounds at NoClutchNate and TwoOldMedia.com. And I'm Mark. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And I'm Sam. You can find me at Otten Sam or at the Justice League Universe podcast, which is at JLU podcast. Perfect. Did you guys get the sights and sounds thing? Like sights, like S-I-T-E-S, but also like vision, huh? You get it? Yeah. Uh, that's terio level stuff there. That's, see, I get this, guys. It's, <laughs> what are we, 122 minutes in, and finally it's clicking. Today, uh, we're talking about minute number 122 of Dawn of Justice. And the minute's going to start out with uh, Diana now bringing up the next uh, video from her stolen Lex Luthor files. And uh, the minute's going to end with, um, you know, some weird cube moving amongst a technological terror. You like that one, too? Yeah, I do like that one. (laughs) (laughs) See, I can be a poet, guys. On the fly. Fly poet. So, we get two metahumans this day. Hmm. Two of them. Yeah, we do. But um, the first one, before we, we get into the person that we see, um, let's talk about the location that we that we get into. All right. Um, unless you guys still want to talk about file conventions, no, naming I, conventions. Naming conventions on the <laughs> I think we're good on that one. <laughs> yeah. Anything else about uh, file sizes and compressions? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, welcome back to Silicon Valley Minute. But, you know, so... Here we are in the Tonga Trench with um, a capsized ship. Sunken. Sunken ship. Um, what, do, I mean, like, it, it had to have been capsized before it sank, right? Or Could have just sank. It could have just sank, right? It doesn't have to be actually be capsized anyway. Do we know any famous ships that are, are lost in the Tonga Trench? Dude, I don't know anything about the Tonga Trench. Where is the Titanic located? So it's in the Southwest Pacific Ocean, and I know from just the top level of wikipedia that um it didn't list any ships that sunk there but it did list a space ship that sank there so it said that like the the like nuclear fuel source or something for apollo 13 once it had like the apollo 13 oxygen breach or whatever that busted up the spaceship part yeah um that thing actually fell and they suspect that it ended up in the tonga trench so that's kind of cool they suspect it did like they don't know for a fact they don't yeah they don't know the exact location where it ended up but it might be like radioactive so they can't go near that happened in the 60s no one's gone down there is this the plot to cloverfield (laughs) well i think it's just so huge right the thing so it's like seven miles deep so i'm like how would you find anything plus it's like long you know so even if they knew a general area where it might have landed i'd still be quite a task to try to find it I like how you mentioned a spaceship like crashed near here, and then the the Skype cut out for like a couple seconds, and I was like, "Oh no, the FBI is on <laughs> Sam!" Oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> they got him! They got him! Um, we like didn't hear you for like a solid two seconds, and we were like, "Oh my god, they got him!" <laughs> There's nothing that we as human beings own where it's. I mean, like I know like sonar is a thing. Like you know, in Jurassic Park, when he shoots the thing into the ground and it brings up the image of the of the Velociraptor. There's nothing we can do that in the ocean. I mean, I assume, like, there's some capabilities. What did it you kind say? Of Wait, what happened in Jurassic Park? Yeah, don't worry about it. It blows my mind that things are still lost in these trenches. But, like, mm-hmm. Sam just said it. Like, it was normal. It was like, yeah, it was seven miles long, you know, seven miles deep, and it's long as crap. But, like, to me, huh. that's, like, someone's full-time job should be just scouring that. Like, right? No? 
I mean, that's what this is doing, right? Because it's doing nothing but just searching. Y- yeah, I guess. I guess it all comes down to budget. Like, are we going to be uh, investing in robots to just look through the ocean? I mean, I would just I out would. of cur- curiosity, but... <laughs> but I'm not Elon Musk. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I have James Cameron money for that. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm just going to make an IMAX documentary. We're just going to go down there. It's like, all right, Gosh. and uh, take Bill Paxton with you. Um, but there's there's so many robots. There's Well, then again, these are LexCorp drones, right? No. No, he hacked into the like government yeah. um, footage of this. That's what yeah. I took it as anyway. That's what I took it as as well. Yeah, because it says property of U.S. UUV Alpha 1, which... Obviously, is government, but you know what does UUV stand for? I don't know what UUV stands for, but it just you know it, it's uh, underwater vehicle. Uh, uh, I don't know unmanned underwater vehicle. That's got to be it. I mean, Sounds I'm thinking good. like like UAV. Uh, uh, yeah, unmanned yeah. underwater vehicle. And that's what, oh, you looked it up, is what it means. Yeah. Oh, all right. Cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, it shows Lex's resources, right? Like he can hack into all kinds of different things. Um, so it seems like he can get anywhere that he wants to get to get yeah. information. I yeah. feel like Lex Luthor knowledge is not, power. I feel like he's not. Yeah, well, I I feel like he's not a hacker. I feel like he can just get this. Oh, st- like he through influence or yeah, through yeah. influence through yeah. through the through the power of the, his his the most power. dangerous kind of hacking. Yeah, yeah like. <laughs> One like the where you're so powerful, you don't even have to to fight against anyone. You're just like, I will have that information, and they're like, Yeah, you will have it. And he's like, hmm. You're damn right. And then he gets it, and it's like, Yeah, you're that's, probably right. That's the most terrifying. The most terrifying power out there is the one that has no opposition, and you know that's Lex Luthor. This thing's got um, coordinates on it, like latitude and longitude. Which probably just takes you. I think it's Tonga cut Trench. Off a little bit. Yeah, it probably just takes it to the Tonga Trench, a general area. <laughs> Maybe that's not where Apollo thirteen is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right in front of us the whole time. It's from a movie. So uh, as we as we kind of look through this ship and and try to see what they're looking at, um, we get the glimmer of of two two shining two shining little lights inside the ship. Peepers. Little little peepers. And, uh, man, I love that they did that. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're introduced to the Aquaman in this clip. And, uh, you know, I'll let you guys take it away with your first impressions of this. First impressions. Phenomenal. Fantastic. Um, I really like that it's, like, he's underwater. Like, they filmed it of him being in a big tank underwater, and like I like that his hair is still flowing, and it just makes so majestic. Sense. Yeah, it does. It looks. I mean, I remember there was a footage of, I think it was Justice League that came out where it was, um, you know, the green screen of him like floating up or whatever. Like I think to Mira or something like that, and it looked, well, it looks kind of fake. Just because you know, like how do you create and you can't just shoot everybody underwater. It's not. Mm-hmm. Was that movie? Uh, the. Uh, what movie is everyone James under? Cameron movie. Avatar? No, the other one. Abyss? Everyone? That's what it was. Abyss. <laughs> oh, right. oh, with the, the Atlanta tank yeah, yeah, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. it's dark. not like that, but... um, They still have that, right? Like yeah, the dark tank or whatever yeah, it's called? Yeah, I think still, it's still getting rusted and it's there. Um, But yeah, it, it looks cool. It's great. Um, I like that 
I, I took note that his uh, the armor pieces that he's wearing are not the same ones that you get to see in Justice League. Um, it's a little different. It honestly looks like Justice League animated Aquaman that mm-hmm. had like the you know like the little metal shoulder that like just came over with the straps and then the hook hand later on. But yeah, it's like he just has like a shoulder plate and then gauntlets. Uh, he's got the the trident, so like. You know, he obviously somehow was he got that rifling around Atlantis. Like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow the Trident for a little bit, but don't touch that armor. Like, where was that conversation? It's yeah, it's one of those things where it's like we won't know until the Aquaman movie comes out to know like, okay, did he always have the Trident? And his mom like kept it for him in the lighthouse kind of thing. Like, oh, your mother wanted you to have this when you were older, kind of thing. Like, it could be one of those things, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, his hair. So I, I can't even begin to talk about how I had been waiting for this moment in the film. Um, Aquaman, Wonder Woman, they were like the two most things that I was like, all right, I'm ready to see this film because I want to see Wonder Woman for sure. And I know Johnny is a huge fan of Aquaman. It's like her favorite Justice League superhero. And and the fact that it's, it's Jason Momoa was cast as mm-hmm. Aquaman was just like, it could not have been more perfect uh, casting. We keep saying it all the time, but Zack Snyder and who he's casted for this DC universe has been so on point. Um, mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. It's, yeah. it's so like, oh, that's who you casted? That is magnificent. Viola Davis being cast as Amanda Waller was one of those things that I woke up to him going, that is the most perfect casting I've ever seen in my mm-hmm. life. Um, so stuff like that is just amazing. He... Uh, Jason Momoa didn't have facial hair in Justice League as Aquaman, right? Yeah, yeah. no, he didn't Wait. have facial hair. He's got he's got beard and and goatee in here. This is like straight up Justice League animated Aquaman. Like he's got the facial hair. It's the long flowing hair too. Does he not have facial hair in Justice League? No, I'm. I'm ah, see now I can't remember. I'm feeling like him standing, going into the water, looking back at Bruce when they're on. You know, I think he's in got the, in the little village. I thought he had. At least like a. Has he got a beard? I thought he had at least like a beard around his mouth, kind of thing. Like, mm. yeah, he's got he's got it. He's got a beard. I follow Jason Momoa on Instagram, so I always see him without facial hair. It just bleeds together now, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, he's got a whole. He's got a full beard. All right, I'm wrong. Yeah, but then for some reason, I was thinking of like when he was in like his regular clothes when he's like jumping into the lake in justice league where i was like wait didn't he not have facial that's hair that's what i was thinking right here i got the picture pulled up. Oh, okay yeah I, that right there that scene yeah, that's he, i know, thought like he didn't the, have in that the waist yeah deep water for a minute whatever. i almost believed you because i was like I'm, hey i almost believe myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right yeah. so scratch that Never so mind. yeah he does have facial hair mm-hmm. um i can't remember if it was you that pointed this out nate but um when he comes out of the the ship they like digitally removed like the air bubbles underneath the nose, like yeah. to give the impression that he actually can breathe underwater. Like he doesn't like it's not an actor in a fish tank. Like yeah. they remove the air bubbles that are underneath the nose so that it's like it's believable. Yeah, and I I wanted to point that out because I think that's mm. that's again those little tiny detail things that it's like wow they they thought of that part out. They removed that, um, which is amazing. Um, you could see just this man is covered in tattoos. Absolutely beautiful. I love everything about this, uh, this the design of this uh, Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Like the hair in the water, like 
this isn't um, this isn't the Aquaman scenes that we'll see in Justice League and probably rarely see in the Aquaman film. But like this is for the most part just Jason Momoa actually in a tank of water yeah. and just being filmed. And I think it's it's just so good. It's so it's it's out of the three cameos that we're gonna see, I think this is the strongest one, in my opinion. But you know, I don't know if you guys agree. Yeah, I uh, mean, like yeah, maybe because I mean we saw Flash in the nightmare sequence already in this movie, so like I guess it's like. We haven't seen, heard, seen, or anything of Aquaman, mm-hmm. you know. So it's kind of cool that it's like, oh yeah, cool. That dude's underwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's really well mapped out. Um, even though it's only you know twenty thirty seconds or something, but because they start with the eyes, it's like you just see the eyes, then you kind of see the face, then you see the tattoos, then you see the hair, and then you see like then when he puts his arm out, you see like the kind of color of his armor and stuff, mm-hmm. and then at the end, you see his like super burst of like water speed so it's like a great just progression of a reveal and to me it kind of reminded me of a comic book because like in a comic book you don't want to just have if you're introducing a character especially like an important character you don't want to just have them like there and you don't want to have them like farther away closer 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 that's just like wasting time but what you would do in a comic book is you would have like a panel where you just see the eyes like poking through the water and then you start to see like the figure approaching that has not very much detail and then like the character arrives and you see all the detail and stuff Mm -hmm. um and that's to me like what they did here just by revealing it like piece by piece which i thought was really cool yeah it's um um just just magnificent and i feel like it's we, i think nate and i and, and matt are other kind of not third co-host but supporter of the show um we talk about aquaman as being like the underwater superman in in the sense of like they could they could be equals if superman had to go fight aquaman underwater they and, dude they're equals on land well, hold up and yeah no and just think about how much pressure his like body is withstanding yeah. right now like yeah you know, you're you're pretty far down there, and he is just there in his own body, and he's withstanding all of that weight of all the water that's above him. That's yeah, amazing. Man. Aquaman goes toe-to-toe with Superman. Like, yeah, like, he'll probably pick him up and fly him and, like, you know, disorient him or whatever. You know, laser eyes might, you know, hurt him a little bit. But, mm-hmm. like, they go toe-to-toe. I've, I'm a super strong believer that Aquaman, it, you know, could very well kick superman's butt um you know on a good day mm, hey, i might not go that far but tell that to <laughs> in, come on really tell that to injustice superman no yeah okay like yeah there's See? always going to be like that side of like the you know so if superman is holding back then aquaman has a chance all right you want flashpoint aquaman to go toe-to-toe with superman absolutely he would still lose no he lost to scrawny superman <laughs> he got his arm cut off but what I'm trying to get at is that they give him this Superman, the the sonic boom, like the the the, <laughs> the sound barrier breaking that we saw in Man of Steel. Yeah. But we get it for Aquaman in the water. Like that's what mm-hmm. I'm getting at. It's like that is underwater Superman. Like look at that guy go. <laughs> like just just boom boom. Like and then he's off. And like yep. that is how you man, like Zack Snyder did what he did with Superman, and it's awesome. And he was just like. Just do it, but underwater. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you're right. Just do that. <laughs> it works. That was cool, yeah. Um, and so Wonder Woman then is like, okay, 
let's keep going through these files. And, you know, we get to talk about my favorite Justice League member of all time. Uh, within at least this film and in New 52 Justice League. I love that this character is part of the Justice League and not Teen Titans anymore. Um, mm-hmm. The film I'm probably most excited for, um, kind of looking forward to all the other films coming out. I love this character. I love I love cyberpunk genre type stuff. And so we get footage of the cyborg, uh, Victor Stone, who uh was kind of we were kind of wondering like how they were going to do this because for the most part we've we've only seen the images of what like uh ray fisher just kind of strapped to like yeah something. we only saw like the green screen yeah strapped with yeah the, yeah and so we didn't really know what was going to happen with him um i love this i love this this body this like horrible image of of something that's trying to stay alive and it's on like a smart board yeah and they're they're it's disturbing man. it's disturbing and that's why i love it so much because like i do love the cyberpunk genre so much where it's like this is what i want i want rustic like i want cable work i want wire work i want i, I love seeing stuff like this that i want to see more of that when it comes time for the cyborg film where it's like you are a monster you are frankenstein in the 21st century like you this is terrible this is this is the worst thing that could have ever happened to you like you're not a human you're barely alive um and like it's so distraught and tragic Mm -hmm. but at the same time you gotta be a superhero like you gotta do the right thing like that's a lot to take in at one time and i love that about this character and that he has to deal with all these things um and so to see this is absolutely amazing i love it i love just the like how destroyed this body is yeah um it's it's amazing i wish if there was like a set that you could visit and it was like to walk through this part right here and to see a body being like just like there like if they had done this like like prosthetic work and just like that was just like an animatronic like stuck on a board that would have been fantastic yeah Um, i mean i don't i wouldn't put it past warner brothers to make a set of it so where we are right now um on screen we uh, seeing on you know the actual recording device here we get a few things um mm-hmm. i think it's property of silas stone so we know that's uh, victor stone's father um it says property of star labs i'm pretty sure that's the first time star labs is ever mentioned in uh yeah, yeah. well like theatrical you didn't get Janet Clyburn, so you didn't go to Star Labs. Yeah, and we didn't find out that she worked there, too. Yeah, you didn't get any of that. So I'm pretty sure this was, like, the first time that we actually got to see the words Star Labs. Mm -hmm. Um, This room that he's in, I'm assuming, and I have good reason to believe that this is the red room out of star labs we did get to see more of it in justice league it's where it's definitely a red room it is so the red room much different from the black room the black room is where they keep all the magic shit um so the red room is all like the technology stuff Mm -hmm. that the u.s government keeps secret and whatnot um i did want to say that the red room's first appearance was out of uh the newer new 52 um justice league uh series which was also that you know that was cyborg's um you know intro essentially to the new 52 and to mm-hmm. the justice league was through that book um he didn't have a number one until way later but his number ones were really 
the first few issues of Justice League. Um, I think this was from number three, maybe. Um, yeah, Justice League number three was the first appearance of the Red Room. So that's my spirit. yeah. And and say what you will about you know Jeff Johns, whether you love him or upset with him or whatever. But the inclusion of Cyborg into the Justice League, I think, was one of the smartest moves. I think when it comes to like understanding who the Justice League is and, and the balance of the roster and, and what they all bring to the table and uh, including Cyborg is including a, a guy who needs the support of the people. Like he's, he's part of the team to be the guy that kind of fly on the wall that goes like, Oh, like I don't deserve to be among this. And then people like Wonder Woman saying like, no, you, you do deserve to be here. Like you, you have, you know, the power to do good and all that. And like, the support that he gets is, is something that that character needs, which is great. And second of all, like what he actually brings to the table as far as like the technological support and, and all that, like, like what his actual super abilities are, like he really helps out that team. And I think it's, it was such a smart decision to include him and replace other members with him. So it's fantastic that he's part of the team and I couldn't agree more of putting him in there. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I just, I love the character so much. Uh, Sam, what are your thoughts on on the whole cyborg Easter egg here? Yeah, I I agree with you. I was a very happy person when they promoted him to the Justice League team. I think he fits in really good. I think he's a good commentary on race issues now, and I think he's a good commentary on our relationship with technology. So as a as a character, he can explore those kind of ideas. Um, and I like him here. Like I like this scene, um, but I also like him in the DCEU. Like because they have Superman is personally connected to the like first invasion by aliens like world threat and it was a world threat and it was stopped but superman is like kind of you know he's connected to it so there's always this like little bit of like stigma to superman because he's from the same planet as zod was and stuff and i like it that cyborg has a similar issue where he has a personal connection to a mother box and you know apocalypse which was the second invasion that tried to happen so it's like in each case we have this world threat but in each case, we also have a Justice League member who is can't get away from that connection. They're just always going to be connected to those things because it's part of who they are. So I, I like the dynamics of that where there's this like blurring of the lines between the threats and then the heroes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even there, like there's there's threats that are, you know, people don't even think about um, that are that come stock with Cyborg. Mm-hmm. Get it? Get it. <laughs> Because, <laughs> like, uh, I believe it was, yeah, it was after the whole um, uh, Trinity War and everything during New 52 that that grid came from. I love that. Like, I, that oh, man, yeah. That I was, love it. Yo, Jeff Johns did right <laughs> doing that storyline. Like, it was, um, you know, because like, you don't think about the cyborg, like, oh, yeah, good. He's one of the good guys. He's just connected to all the computers and stuff like that. It's like, okay. yeah, but what if someone or something hacks that? Like, yeah. couldn't that's just, he's still you know, partially organic. So he still has somewhat of a conscious. He's not completely, you know, technology based. There's still some faulty there already, you know, right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that uh, future prospects of the character could connect, you know, to an, another alien invasion or another invasion mm-hmm. of something. He's literally, it's uh, it's the same thing with, um, in the Marvel universe, Vision, 
where it's like we all see vision in those films and we all go that dude has a gem in his forehead and somehow thanos is connected with that and he's gonna come and rip that thing it's one of those things where you go because you exist now there's so much that could happen in, in your shared universe and that applies with cyborg it's like you are a walking mother box yep. basically and it's like you realize how bad that is you're right just a jump gate for anything yeah. that wants to come through otherworldly yeah, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you're just the access point um you could also argue cuz you brought this comparison between superman and cyborg but you can also argue now that they share the same birthplace because this star labs is in the scout ship this you know the reason he has 500 megabytes of footage of cyborg is because they are there. They are in the scout ship. This is where they go. This is where Victor Stone gets captured. Um, th- this is a wing of the scout ship that, you know, uh, Lex Luthor got granted access to, and that inc- it's it was already being supervised by Star Labs. He just got access to it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, K- Kal-El got the suit from his father, Jor-El, from the scout ship. He'll get it again in Justice League. But also, Cyborg died or Victor Stone died and Cyborg was born in the same place. So you can compare them that way as well. They're like brothers. Oh, it definitely makes their connection at the end of justice league a lot more. Oh, it does. <laughs> doesn't like it? Solid. Yeah. yeah. Aww. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. I love Cyborg so much, man. Yeah. Ms. Ray Fisher did an amazing yeah. dude. And he was supposed yeah. to have such a bigger part. I'm I mean, not going to get into so it. Like, like yeah. 30, I, yeah. I, I, I'll just say one thing. So, like, a lot of people fixate on, like, oh, Cyborg could have had even more in Justice League. And maybe that's true, but I still think that what we got for Cyborg in Justice League I thought was really strong. I thought there were a lot of good character moments. I thought it was a really compelling arc for him and connection to Superman and other stuff. So I feel like if you forget what could have been and just look at what you got, it's actually pretty good, especially for Cyborg. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely on, like, that guy, he was the best actor out of anybody in that movie um and i mean what 30 percent of him was actually the only thing that was actually being acted in that Mm -hmm. i think it's so good just seeing like i love seeing victor stone or cyborg in a hoodie like i love seeing that kind of like like i'm trying he's frankenstein's monster he's He's just like i'm i I don't know Mm -hmm. who i am like i gotta struggle with this like i don't know what i'm doing and it's like couldn't do that this morning yeah just like walking through the streets in a hoodie and it's like i people want that again Mm -hmm. where i was like oh noppy is like this native american and wonder woman it's like people want to see you know the guy in a hoodie you know people like that representation matters and the fact that he has all this technical technological superhuman abilities like again you know that that matters so Mm-hmm. I, it's this is just a wonderful character and it's the best time right now to have a character like this in cinema so yeah um, now i do think they in justice league they might have changed or some stuff might not quite perfectly match up from bvs to justice league um so we i probably can't parse all of that but like one thing is in this minute 122 there's just the upper part of his torso and his head and like a little bit of shoulder you know like like a third of his body seems to be there. Mm-hmm. And then in Justice League, there's like a quick shot where it seems like he almost has half of his body or something like that. I'm, I'm not sure if it's if it was different points in his life. Um, so maybe they were both true just at different times. Or maybe the Justice League one is a retcon where they're like changing how much of his body was left or something like that. But 
I mean, for me, I kind of like this BVS version where he's really just this head and like spinal cord, and that's about it, uh, and like some of the vital organs, but the rest of his body is just gone, and he's being kept alive by this technology. Um, so, for me, if I had to pick one, I do like this BVS vision of it, even though it's kind of like a horror kind of thing. But for me, I think it's a really intriguing way to start the character off. Yeah, it's true. absolutely. It, it really is a horror aspect. Again, I, Snyder knows horror. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah, he knows how he knows how to do horror stuff, and I love it. I love it so much. Are we referring to the the footage Alfred shows Bruce in Justice League, where he's like, it's like Star Labs footage? Is that where we see the body? Because I'm trying to remember where that was. Yeah, I'd have to pull it up um, to be sure, but I I have a vision in my mind I, and from the Justice League movie where it's like, oh, there's Cyborg like before he is fully mother boxed up, and mm-hmm. it seemed like there was way more of his body left. <laughs> Maybe it's just uh, Silas Stone saying, "No, we got to shave some more off. We're not using that part, right? Like we can, we can get rid of that. It's awful. Yeah, yeah." So uh, speaking of Silas Stone, though, so you mentioned uh, Nathan. I think you mentioned way several minutes ago that it's Silas Stone, so we know that it's his father. But I would say that the general audience probably didn't know it was his father. Um, like comic book fans, DC fans would recognize right away. Oh, Silas Stone. Okay, but um. For a general audience, I don't think it, like, says right away, or maybe at all, that, like, this is my son, by the way, strapped up to the wall. And I think mm-hmm. that makes for an interesting dynamic in this minute, because it starts out, like, here's this scientist, and he says, the subject's declining, procedures have failed, outcome will be death. But it's kind of, like, very clinical, and he's yeah. just sort of, like, reporting the facts. And then there's a turn where all of a sudden he, like, gets kind of emotional and, like, angry, and then that's where you realize like no it's not just science or work to him it's his son that he's trying to save so for me i like that shift from the cold technical report to all of a sudden the like emotional you know impact of this because it's actually the dad yeah which is it's not a normal character trait for silas in comic books he was always the aloof father that cared more about cyborg than he did about victor so like it's Mm -hmm. good to see that you know this on screen, he's actually is upset that he's you know losing his son. He's but not before being the loose scientist first, saying that the subject is dying, not my son is dying. No, yeah, exactly. So he's always like, the scientist first. I so mean, it takes him a while to finally admit that he actually gives a shit about his son. I mean, you know? yeah, and I think we only get it a little bit in Justice League. I think it's like the conversation where it's like you know they're having like. I'm just another one of your projects mm-hmm. kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's just that's just a typical yeah the typical relationship between these these two characters and yeah they, I think they hit it on the head where he's just talking to him like he's just some subject that he's trying to keep alive and then it's like then he at some point it, it hits him it's like yo this is your son about to die yeah or maybe he's not maybe he's just really angry that his project is failing mm-hmm. that could be even worse could be mm-hmm. um but I th- the, I, you wanna. I'm going to say something silly. Go say something There's silly. product placement in this minute, and I'm pretty sure it's the only product placement out of the entire movie. It's Dr. Pepper can. There's a can on his desk, and there's a bottle behind him when he's standing at one point. And I think it's the only product placement. Is it the only product placement? I remember Dr. Pepper being a big thing oh. uh, for this movie. <laughs> it was. I, I had the, you know, the cans that you could come. And it was on the graffiti. Stuff. When uh, Bruce was going through the, the the city during the Black Zero event, remember it was on graffiti? It was like big old... Oh, doc- yeah, there was a painting. It's like, have a Dr. Pepper yeah. or something like okay. that. So, no. All right, well, two product placement. We didn't see any Dr. Pepper Man of Steel, did we? Uh, oh. There was Sears. 
Yeah, there's Sears, Sears was a big there was product placement. IHOP. Um, IHOP, IHOP was another one. I'm and, trying to uh, think. Seven Eleven had Man of Steel cups, so I assume there was a Seven Eleven in Kansas in Smallville during the fight. Um, but I remember they actually had Man of Steel like Slurpee cups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to look around. It's just a bunch of uh, cassette tapes on the table. And that's about it. I don't really see a Dr. Pepper bottle. I there's see the, one. Okay, I see the so can. go to 50 seconds, 51 seconds. Um, 51. To the right of the screen, there's like a little table. Oh, there's a bottle yeah, he's of got Dr. Like Dr. A, Pepper and a he's got like a one liter. Chinese. Yeah. Oh, that is not a good combination. Chinese food and a Dr. Pepper. Diet Dr. Pepper. <laughs> that's off. I don't care what you got to say. Like people <laughs> that enjoy Diet Dr. Pepper, there's something seriously wrong with you. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> it's not. It doesn't taste like candy. It doesn't taste like a, a, a Is that cream where you drink Dr. Pepper because it tastes like candy? <laughs> no, you? I drink Dr. Pepper because it tastes like Dr. Pepper. It's great. You know, you get the 23 flavors. It's awesome. Diet Dr. Pepper is like a, a slap in the face, man. <laughs> Anyways, uh, before we end this minute, there is one other character in this minute. And uh, I don't know if you guys have notes for it for this minute or if you want to save it. But we do get to see... A mother box and uh, I didn't know if you guys have anything to take away from that I know I kind of stopped I was gonna talk about I don't want to um, go too heavy on mother box things because we have a whole movie dedicated to those okay so. yeah <laughs> alrighty it's it's a cool I like that it's it's different it's not the same it's not a mother box that I'm used to um, and when I saw oh, it, no, not the, a, yeah, you know, yeah. When I saw it the first time, I was like, "Hey, that's really cool." I guess uh, you know you we all knew what it was when we saw it, right? I guess fans. Probably it's the Allspark it from Transformers. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it looks just like it too, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, but you know, like uh, the only the only note I had on it was just that it it looks different than we see it in Justice League. But you know, let's, let's save it. Was yeah, it? I don't. It's a little different, right? Kind of different. I think in Justice League it actually shows like the ridging of like the but then individual it cracks cubes. open, right? I don't know. I'll, I'll yeah. save it. Sam, did you have anything about the this mother box before we wrap up? Or um, no, I think for tomorrow probably. All right, cool, cool. Alrighty, guys, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. If you enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCU Minutes and ToolMedia.com. And uh, don't forget, you can find us on the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. Let us know what you thought about these minutes and any other minutes that you're catching up on. And we'll catch you guys tomorrow here on DC Cinematic Minute.